Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail. Today, I'm joined by Paul Third, Paul Chalk, confusing, I know two of them, and Danny Law. How are we, folks? Hi, Ryan. Okay, yeah. Yeah, very well, thanks. So, over the weekend, wasn't it wasn't a great week for our for our, our sides in the Premiership and Championship anyway? Aberdeen going down 2-1 on Sunday to Celtic, Ross County. Um, losing in what turned out to be controversial circumstances to Dundee United, Inverness as well. The team, the team that we could rely on all season long to this point, they lost as well to Hamilton in the most probably unexpected of results from the weekend. However, it was a better weekend for Cove and Peterhead, if not so for Elgin. But yes, let's start at Pitodry, where Aberdeen lost two one to Celtic. It was one nil Celtic. Um, early on, the Dons pulled a goal back through Lewis Ferguson, but then soon after um, shipped another one to, I think, condemn themselves to a ninth straight game without a win. Um, Paul, yeah, I mean, it was the same old story, wasn't it? A little bit in terms of the defending, um, not good enough. Oh, it's at this point, it's getting beyond parody now whenever we're talking about Aberdeen's defending. It's ridiculous. I mean, look, look at the first goal. I mean, Jack McKenzie's left isolated on a 2v1 situation in a throw-in. A throw-in. And, and <laughs> we'll have to hope there's been an inquest at Bittaudry into how that was allowed to happen. Uh, but it continues from there. It's just the throw-in the first part of this shambolic goal to concede because the ball comes into the box and David Bates is there. Um, and I, I th- I'm looking at it and I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's unsure whether anyone else is coming in the box behind him, which mm-hmm. is why he opts for the glancing header out for a corner approach. But the problem is he doesn't make any contact with the ball whatsoever, which is why Kyogo is able to chest chest the ball into the net. It's, it's a poor goal, however you look at it. And one, not for the first time I'm going to say this, should have been avoided. It's a total insanity. Like the finish itself, the fact that you've got what, a six foot five, maybe centre-back that is two yards from a, a striker who is probably, what, a, f- a whole foot shorter? Um, four yards out from goal, and the ball go- not only goes over the 6 foot 5 defender's head, but yeah, as you said, Kyogo is able to just chest it into the net with, with ease. Um, don't think there was much Gary Woods could have done about that one, to be fair, but yeah, as well, as you said. I, I don't know who was responsible. My my gut instinct is probably Ross McCrory should have been coming out. He kind of, he was, he was almost in no man's land. He was standing sort of near the sort of right edge of the box but I don't know if he should have been seeing that Turnbull was going to become free once he took the once he took the throwing and become the natural ball for McGregor to sort of play it back to for him to cross it in um, yeah but Aberdeen as I said this Celtic team they were coming in to this game on a pretty bad run as well we, all, we know all about Aberdeen's um, miserable run of late which has seen them sort of plummet down the premiership a little bit but they get a goal back, and if ever there was a goal that showed like how uh, how not up that this Celtic team are as well, um, it was Lewis Ferguson's header, which came off his shoulder in the end, I think, and yeah, less less of a bullet header, more of a shuttlecock header uh, <laughs> up in the air, loops down. I don't know what I don't know what Joe Hart was doing, not just sort of taking charge of that situation, punching it away, defender of the post. Obviously, it doesn't get to it, um, but yeah. Celtic didn't look the best, did they? No, no, they didn't. Um, but they were still better than Aberdeen, and that's the worrying aspect. It was two teams, and it was, as we've said previously, who would have thought this would be a mid-table 
meeting in, in the first weekend in October between Celtic and Aberdeen, but that's what it was. But Celtic, for all their struggles, are still a better side than Aberdeen, and that's a galling statement to make at this point. Duncan Shearer said that he reckoned that Aberdeen only really played for kind of 30 minutes of the game. I think none of those minutes were in the first half for me. Oof, um, yeah. I think the only time in the first half that really... I felt Aberdeen got near Celtic was when Celtic had the ball kind of round their own area. The press was sort of okay. They were put, without getting anything out of it, really, they were putting a decent bit of pressure on Celtic. But the problem was, it was like when Aberdeen got the ball in their own half, there was no real, there was no real out ball. They were losing the ball really easily. A lot of the, you know, a lot of it was David Bates just kind of like playing the ball long to no one. Um, I think you've written a piece for later on today, but when Aberdeen have the ball, there's no real sort of like identity coming through under Stephen Glass yet is there there's no like clear style of well there maybe was at the start but there's no real style of play at the moment that's like the Aberdeen style of play no there isn't um it's it's hitting it along hitting it into the channels it's playing the percentages game is what I feel I'm watching um Stephen Glass might disagree with that or, or he might point the fact well we don't have many options uh, Austin Samuels is very quick uh what I would say if I'm being constructive about him is I've yet to see an actual cross find an intended target, which is a bit worrying. Um, but he's, he's certainly quick. <laughs> I'll give him that. Uh, Johnny Hayes, Sunday was probably his best outing in a while, but he's in his mid-30s, we have to, to be honest and say that. And we'll keep coming back to the Ryan Hedges factor. When he's not there, Aberdeen struggle in the final third. Uh, I would add Marley Watkins to that. Um, I know we haven't seen much of him yet, but we saw enough last season and from his time at Carly Thistle previously to know what he can bring to the team. Uh, I don't think it was a coincidence when he left, or sorry, when he suffered his injury and then left to return to Bristol last season is when Aberdeen's fortunes kind of fell off a cliff. To be honest, they're still trying to scramble back up and get up there. It's um, it's maybe a bit of a needs-must situation with Samuels at the moment. He was, kind of, he was playing wide right, wasn't he? Correct me if I'm wrong. At the weekend, um, but he played with, both. I think. Yeah, I, I just, I just feel that maybe he came in obviously on loan, or that like when he came in on loan, the announcement was that he was a striker. It's, I don't know if the best part of the game from him that, that I can remember was when he ran pretty directly, and um, he was almost he wasn't out too wide. He was sort of like level with this, uh, the right hand side of the box, and he ran pretty directly, and he, he hit that shot that just went over the the crossbar on the right hand side, and it was pretty. Pretty direct, and it was pretty, it was clear that you know he was you know he had he only had eyes for goal or whatever. And I, I wonder maybe if he would be better played through the middle. But yeah, as you said, with no Watkins, no Hedges, it maybe was a needs must situation at the weekend, and they really need to get them back because the creativity yeah is still lacking a little bit in the forward areas, which is in turn you know restricting the amount of chances that Christian Ramirez has. And I think. To his credit, we have seen that when he when he has the chances, he can score. He can score. Like the header he scored against St Mirren was obviously really good um, and not an easy one. But yeah, I think the priority for the international break, are we all agreed, as we've discussed, that defence is going to be what Stephen Glass is, is working on with his players because to go to the second Celtic goal, um, I mean, with that one, the first one that was kind of like, we obviously touched on two little moments in it that, you know, you know, where there's a key moments where Aberdeen um, slipped up to allow the goal to happen. But with the, the second one, for me, it's just like there's a moment on the edge of the box where it all just falls apart and like almost every Celtic player that's around the Dons area gets free of their man. And it was only ever going to result in a goal. And Anita, like, I don't know if they just switched off entirely at that point, having just got themselves back in the game. But 
yeah, it's got to be the aim, doesn't it, for the next week or so to get things shored up a bit? I think so. I, th- I mean, I, I I get the feeling that the international break's probably coming at quite a good time for Aberdeen because they're obviously in this place of, you know, having quite pure momentum just now. And I think there is a need for um, them to, you know, use that extra time to get key players back fit, fit and available. I mean, Ryan Hedges has obviously been, you know, a big miss um, through the start of the season. I mean, Andy Constein isn't coming back any time soon, but he's been he's been a really big miss. But I think there's also a need for cool heads. The, the, the issue is that Aberdeen have wasted a, a decent run of fixtures at the start of the season, and they're now in the midst of a difficult run where they're quite low on confidence, and the only way to kind of get that confidence back up really is through positive results. And it's going to be hard for to, to get those over the next few games, the Dundee game obviously being a, a big chance. Um, but I mean, I still think that, you know, there's a, I mean, Stephen Glass has a squad there that, I mean, is is on paper as strong as, you know, most of the other squads in the league, aside from Celtic and Rangers. Um, and obviously there's been this, you know, mantra of vow at the start of the season to play attacking attractive football. And I don't know whether that's kind of been a bit of a, a problem because it's, Perhaps they're they're kind of between a rock and a hard place of trying to live up to to that, whilst also you know trying to be um, pragmatic and, and and get results. Um, so it's I think the international break will hopefully, from Aberdeen perspective, give them a bit of time to get players back fit, reassess things, and then come back again slightly stronger than than they have been the last few weeks. The international break has to be defense one hundred and one. Um, but I'd be astonished, really, if it's not been the focus of the training every week during this run. Um, the big concern I've got when I look at the back line, especially, is I'm not—I don't see an awful lot of options available to the manager to change it. You could put Declan Gallagher in, but he's hardly set the heather on fire so far either. Uh, Ross McCrory has been the one who seems to play every time he's fit and available. I can see why, in one aspect, because he's quick and he's strong. But for me. He's still more effective for the team in the middle of the park. Well, that's maybe just the benefit of having seen him play there when really the manager's kind of pushed him back into a defensive role since arriving. But oh, it's it's a worry. It's a worry for me. Um, and I know this is sounding like the, the risk of coming across as the Northern goal, uh, stick the boot in Aberdeen edition, but we can't get away from the fact there's, there's little to be positive about at the minute. Joe Lewis's confidence is withered away. For me, I... for. And then I look at it and I put it down to the fact that there seems to be an insistence on playing out from the back. And I don't think Aberdeen are very good at it. Uh, the defence is crying out for Andy Considine, as, as Danny said there, um, in terms of his calmness and his organisational skills. Midfield is okay, but there's not much creativity there. Uh, and up front, I think Christian Ramirez functions better in a front too, while he's, he has been decent, but he's just so isolated. Too, too often for me, they need hedges and Watkins there to help them. Paul, are Aberdeen too good to go down? <laughs> no team, <laughs> okay, is too, joke, joke, no joke. team is too good to go down. Um, no, look, no. Look, hold on, let's say this. Look, a goalkeeper mistake at Livingston and a late equaliser against Ross County is papered over the cracks a little bit here. That's another three points worse off the Dons could be. And when you look at a league table, it's not great. I don't think I'm being sensationalist to say this can't continue much longer. But Audrey's not a happy place just now. He'd less than 15,000 for the first visit of Celtic on Sunday. That tells you fans are not happy. And I think, let's be honest, if Aberdeen lose at Dundee, 
I think there's going to be serious questions being asked after the international break because you're talking about a club and a team that's gone from having aspirations of being in the group stages of European competition to languishing near the bottom of the table. It's incredible to even say that bit out loud. I I, I don't want to uh, raise the spectre of a relegation yet. I was I was being I was being facetious a little bit, but the Dundee game when they come back from the international break is obviously enormous because. <laughs> That game in itself isn't going to send the Dons, like, can't send the Dons bottom mathematically. But you're talking about two more losses and potentially, depending on how other results go with the teams down the bottom of the table, they could they could feasibly be bottom. Um, and if they can't beat Dundee, then, yeah, serious questions. Real serious questions, real serious um, anger from the fans at that point, I imagine. I, I think so, but look... We go go back to a month ago. We sat and um, we recorded this podcast, and I remember you specifically, Ryan, looking at the fixtures ahead in September and saying Aberdeen have got to be looking to take nine out of nine from this run, surely, and they've taken nothing. And then then you add in the Celtic game in the first weekend of October on top of that. I mean, go back and look at the month they've had. St Johnston and St Mirren have both secured their first wins of the season at Aberdeen's expense. Celtic have come to Pitodri and won their first away fixture since Valentine's Day. And then, now you've got Dundee, who haven't won this season either. If you're James McPake at Dens Park, you're looking at Aberdeen coming to your place and you're going to be firing your players right up for this one, thinking, well, if they can get the monkey off their back at Aberdeen's expense, expense why can't we? Yeah. Oh, well, it's all, it's all looking rosy in the garden at the moment. <laughs> we'll have to um, see it like it is. Okay, hopefully... Um, in a sort of contrast to tradition, the, the curse lifts for Aberdeen in October. Anyway, we'll, we shall move on, and next up we will discuss Ross County's defeat at Tannadice. Okay, so this one, um, I thought it was a reasonably tight game, having having seen the highlights. Um, Ashley Maynard Brewer made a great stop from uh, Niskanen, Striker for Dundee United in the in the first half, it was kind of broke. They gave the ball away pretty cheaply in halfway. I'm not going to lie about it, but they played it down the Dundee United played it in the left channel quite nicely, and uh, Niskanen played this this the shot across goal, and it was saved expertly by the outstretched I Maynard Brewer. But unfortunately, later in the game, from a very similar situation, in that County lost the ball pretty cheaply with a header near halfway, and um, Niskanen drove forward from the left. Maynard Brewer let in what was. Um, by some margin, the the worst of the two shots hit by Niskanen from that similar angle, um, sort of squirmed through him at the near post, put his hands immediately on his head, clearly realising he'd made a mistake, and that proved to be this a deciding factor in the game. So yes, chalky, fine margins, fine margins yet again, Ryan for Ross County and um, Malky Mackay, the county manager, sounding like Stephen Glass. Um, is at the moment and saying it's another hard luck story and, and we'll fix it soon um, and the frustration for the county fans is they need to see that win on the board now um, Dundee like Ross County haven't got a win yet either so there's no need to panic just yet the positive thing is when you look at the stats amid all these Ross County defeats and close calls is Ross County are more than holding their own within matches creating uh, plenty of chances. In fact, they created they hit more shots on target than Dundee United at the weekend. And as you say, a real bad error from the goalkeeper. 
secured the, the win for the Tangerines, who are full of confidence in the back of their draw at Celtic Park. So they're uh, um, they're going in the right direction. They need a victory, and there's a, a good run of fixtures now coming up ahead on paper for Ross County, where we all know that they had the horrific start of playing the, the top five teams from last season. They would have hoped to maybe have taken something from Dundee United. Of course, they won at Tannadice under John Hughes last season um, when they really needed to. So uh, the team are playing well enough. Um, they are creating chances. They just need that that killer touch. And Malky uh, shook things up a little bit by um, leaving Jordan White on the bench and put on Samuel as the, the attacker, main attacker at, at the weekend. And they've, they've got width. They've got um, creativity within the team. And the county fans are encouraged by what they see, but it's the same story week in, week out at the moment for the Staggies. I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, when you when you look at the the highlights of these games, you look at you watch these games. It's county are creating chances. They look decent going forward, but yeah, for all the stats against a certain point, and it's the same. We were discussing this yesterday, thirty. It gets to the point with all the managers are kind of doing it down the bottom of the table at the moment. You know, they say we should have beaten this team 3 0, but we're unlucky. We should have beaten this, this team 3 0, we're unlucky. You know, but at the end of the day, they didn't beat any of them. They lost to all of them. And at a certain point, I think I think the focus of this international break for County, very much for Aberdeen, is just like in these games when they get back, just get over the line. Doesn't matter how you're playing, just find a way to win. I think um, in the game at Tanadice, there were positives. The guy Joseph Hungbo, when he came on, impressed. Um, Harry Clark as well. That was the for the defining moment for me a little bit. And the reason County didn't get a point was when Harry Clark went up for a header from a corner. And when you see the replay, it's he's so free. He's dead in the centre of the goal. He's you know he, he, I don't know if he times the jump wrong, but it's he puts it so far over the bar that you just think. Like that was the chance. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They also obviously had a goal chalked off as well for Dominic Samuel, but if it's offside, it's offside. Um. Yeah. As you said, when they come back, County St Mirren straight away. That'll be that'll be the one. Very yeah. Good they've they've got That's a back, big chance. Back to back home games, Ryan. They've got um, St Mirren and, and Livingston, and um, I think actually you would prefer it the other way around right now and play Livingston ahead of St Mirren because Livy look apart from their result against Celtic they look like a team low in confidence right now and within reach whereas St Mirren for me are a side who have the potential to push into the top six this this season if they if they fire as as they can do um, but back to back home games against St Mirren and Livingston the county fans would be expecting four points minimum from from that to give themselves hopefully they will say breathing space away from Dundee. We obviously can't brush over the the big the big headline from this game, which was an alleged um, incident of racism. Basically, what we know is that Jando Fuchs of United um, heard racist abuse from the county fans after United's goal. County CEO Stephen Ferguson released a statement afterwards saying it's county's understanding that there was foul and abusive language, but there was you know there was there was nothing of a racist racist nature, and that was from speaking to United stewards near the section and others in the area. However, United have since submitted evidence to the SFA and SPFL that they say corroborates Fuchs's account of events and that there was racist language used so we'll just have to wait and see what happens next it's in the hands of the SFA and SPFL it'll be all our opinion that if it's a misunderstanding great because you don't want to hear of racist incidents in Scottish football grounds 
And if not, the individuals involved should have the book thrown at them. And that's all we're going to say in the matter. Um, next up then, Inverness, Chalky. The bubble has burst. Ham- <laughs> Hamilton 2, Inverness 1. I think last week we probably said, oh, Hamilton are right down the table. They've had a terrible start since coming down from the Premiership. But they were 2 0 up against Inverness after 26 minutes, and uh, Cali Thistle didn't manage to get a goal back until very late on, basically giving them no chance of turning it around. So, yeah, how do, how do we reflect on this one? And the two teams that Cali Thistle haven't beaten in the league this season are the lowly Hamilton and Dunfermline at the wrong end of the table, uh, who incidentally have put in their best performances against Cali Thistle. And um, Sean Welsh, the captain, said last week that. When they get into every game, while you're at the top of the table, you are the, the target. It's a, a great motivation for the, the opposition to come out and take the scalp. And Hamilton managed to do it with a really, really encouraging start. They flew out the traps and head coach Billy Dodds was quick to point that out. He said that they were they were uh, sharper uh, early on. And um, I think it should be pointed out, you know, there was a couple of defensive changes um, that, again... Dodds was was quick to to say that it didn't. Um, he's, they have the quality in in defence. Wallace Duffy uh, came in and Cameron Harper for David Carson and Danny Devine. And um, I think that what he was saying afterwards is that Carson and Devine and, uh, are, are part of a, a back unit there, along with Mark Ridgers behind them, of course. That pride themselves on clean sheets and they've been doing remarkably well this season. So. Just for that to be be shaken up by two players who are, are real quality young players, and in fact, Cameron Harper was very um, uh, attack minded at the weekend getting forward, but just did that unsettle the team a little bit in the early stages, Ryan, that the goals were so early on. Uh, I think the most frustrating thing for Cali Thistle's point of view is that the Aki's went down to 10 men on, on half an hour, and so <laughs> Cali Thistle over an hour to uh, turn this this game around, and it takes until the ninety second minute for them to get in the score sheet. Billy Dodds was unhappy with the, the quality in attack. He felt they should have created more than the, the chances they did. It was a bombardment in the second half. It was mainly Cali Thistle going right at the Aki's ten men, um, but they just lacked that killer touch. And Billy Dodds is just asking his strikers just to believe in themselves a, a little bit. And, and take these chances and Michael Gardine again getting his third goal of the season and being a real menace um, and he's going to be a big player this season now um, for the the Wednesday edition the PNJ spoke to Stephen Hislop who said there's no need to panic here Cali Thistle fans but if you've got a, a squad containing Billy Mackay who's now fit again and Michael Gardine to ex-Ross County players and the now fit Aaron Doran, you've got a real chance of winning this league. You've got a three-point cushion. You've got a home game against Morton to come as well. There's a real opportunity for Cali Thistle to go to 22 points to end the first quarter. And uh, from Stephen Hislop's point of view, former Cali Jag striker, of course, he feels that Cali Thistle are as good as anyone in this league to go on with, with players of that quality. So it is a, a disappointing result, clearly. But... Um, a big fortnight coming up for Cali Thistle, starting, of course, with the SPFL Trust trip along to Elgin City. Yeah, will they be pleased that they've got that week off championship action? Do you think? I know that I know that there'll likely be a few changes for the Elgin game, but just to, you know, just to 
iron out the creases that have appeared maybe in the last few weeks? Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be what it is also is an opportunity. It'll be interesting to see the team lines on Saturday at Borough Briggs from an Inverness point of view because Barry Wilson, who mainly oversees this competition, made 10 changes last time for Inverness. I don't know if they'll go as far as that going in against uh, Elgin City. That maybe a dangerous tactic. It was Bucky Thistle in, in the last round for Inverness, but uh, it gives the, the players who've been waiting in the wings a wee opportunity to show Billy Dodds what, what they can do. It's been a, a hectic schedule. Kelly Thistle have done remarkably well so far to to keep ahead of them. But I think the encouraging thing is that Kilmarnock have now lost a couple of games. One, of course, was against Kelly Thistle. So for those who thought that Kilmarnock were going to be running away with this league, it's shown that it's going to be a real contest up the top of the table. But for Kelly Jags fans, their team is going to be right in the, the hunt if they continue in this kind of form. Okay, well, we shall move on. Down to the lower leagues, Cove and Peterhead in League 1, and we'll also discuss how Elgin City got on in League 2 on Saturday. Okay, starting with Alloa 1, Cove 3. Now, I previewed this game, and I was thinking it's going to be really tight. Um, Two teams, a team that's come down from the Championship, um, team that you know, in Cove that have, you know, are really ambitious and want to get up to the championship. So both teams are a similar level, both part-time and kind of punching above their weight a little bit. The parallels of having two um, really successful ex-pros and Paul Hartley at Cove and Barry Ferguson at Alloa as their managers and um, former Scotland teammates, of course, former boys club teammates. Um, also, Mitch Meganson of Cove, of course, played for Alloa um, in two spells. But um, this game was, of course, turned on its head by the fact that after 25 seconds, um, Mohamed Nyang of Alloa put in a truly ridiculous challenge. What, what were your thoughts on that guy? So have you have you seen the tackle on Shea Logan? I have. It's a shocker. I think uh, Ryan Porteous would be proud of that one. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> seriously, I have no idea what the lad's thinking there. Um, he can have no complaints. It's just in a nothing area, isn't it? I think that's the thing that struck. The thing that really struck me is it's in that early, scrappy period of the game where no one's even really got the ball down yet. It's in the cove half. It's not like they're sort of attacking Alois goal or anything. He just, I don't know what he's thinking. He just, the way he lunges, so his feet like like halfway up Logan's calf to sort of side him down. Very, very strange. And yeah, definitely a straight red. But then obviously Cove played the game brilliantly from that point, just controlled it were patient in getting their first goal through Rory McAllister, who eventually got a hat-trick. And then Aloha, kind of, they get a goal back at 1-1, which is sort of against the run of play, but two more Rory McAllister goals, including a penalty, which Mitch Meganson won at the very end. You know, that was that was, that was was all she wrote. And Cove, I think, are now leveling points at the top of League One, despite their sort of slightly slow start. And considering Meganson isn't even scoring at the moment, and he's their sort of talisman, um, it's, it's all... Sort of shaping up well, would you say, for Cove? Yeah, I mean, it's hu- hugely positive weekend um, for them. Um, and I mean, Rory McAllister's the the man of the moment for him. I mean, he's he's thirty four now, but he still, you know, knows how to score goals. I think that's nine and fourteen for him this season. Obviously, it's came at a time where Mitch Meganson isn't finding the target with as much regularity as we would expect from him. But I mean, that's exactly why. Um, Paul Hartley's got Rory and Mitch because you know strikers come in and out of form. Um, but I mean, we've all known that Rory McAllister is good enough to score plenty of goals at, at that level, and he is one of those players that you know once he goes on a run, he tends to keep scoring goals. Um, so 
I mean, they'll be they'll be feeling really good about that getting up to the um, the top of the table on on Saturday night, and you know it bodes well for them. It, it was kind of slightly concerning their slow start to the season, but um, new players have bedded in now, and I think that um, they can probably look forward to the next run of games with plenty of confidence. To be fair, if you told me uh, COVID beat Alua um, reasonably con- comprehensively over the weekend, um, I wouldn't have been too surprised, I don't think. However, if you told me that Peter Head would have beat, um, I think, second place Dumbarton, I think Dumbarton were second place going into the game, 5-0 at Balmour, considering the run Peter Head was on, uh, were on, I wouldn't I wouldn't have believed you. Um, what what a performance um, from Peter Head and sort of, sort of out of the blue, yeah? I think, I think you'd have to say it's maybe the... the- the best performance in the SPFL this weekend. It was certainly the most unexpected, but I mean, Dumbarton were on a really good run of form coming up there. And I don't think that there would have been too many people backing Peterhead to win after, I think it was six defeats and seven. Um, But to go on and, you know, win by five goals was um, an incredible scoreline and obviously pleasing for um, Captain Scott Brown on his 200th appearance to um, to get one of those goals as well. Um, but I mean, Jim McAnally will be really relieved because it's been a difficult run of games for him. He's obviously got the 10 year anniversary um, coming up imminently um, since he took over at Balmour, and I mean they'll be um, determined to you know have a good season this season, not not get kind of dragged into a, a relegation battle. They'll feel that they've got a, str- a squad that is strong enough to be um you know away from safety and pushing up trying to get into the the, the playoff positions perhaps um but i mean that was a yeah a huge a huge win and, and really unexpected scoreline but um hopefully that's a bit of a turning point for peterhead josh mulligan's goal as well was pretty pretty impressive that was peterhead's fourth of the afternoon so yeah as we said cove now level on points at the top of league one the the blue tune have established a bit of daylight between themselves and east fife at the bottom so all looking rosy in league one in the challenge cup this weekend cove are playing albion rovers while peterhead are off duty they're no longer involved in that competition in League 2, Elgin 2, no Elgin, nil, sorry, Sterling Albion 2 at Borough Briggs. Uh, again, similar to the Ross County game, this is one that was reasonably tight, although it did end 2-0. Uh, but just Elgin, to me, they seem like they're just going to struggle for goals. Um, while Kane Hester's out injured, and O'Connor O'Keefe, I think, to try, to try to be the stand-in up front for Elgin at the weekend. But yeah, you know, just sound like they got picked off a little bit. Yeah, it looks that way. I think um, Ken Hester is a, a real miss um, for Elgin. Now, uh, Jamie Wilson has come in, of course, from Falkirk, and he'll be, uh, by all accounts, he was in and, uh, in and about the, the box and causing real problems uh, in his Elgin debut at the weekend. Um, and uh, from that point of view, that's um, encouraging for Gavin Price. But... Um, yeah, when you look at the stats at, at the weekend, I think it was uh, something like 62% possession for Elgin. Um, I spoke to Thomas McHale, the, the goalkeeper, who uh, really feels that there, there isn't a need to panic at, at the moment from, from Elgin's point of view. They are um, still just about within striking distance of the, the top four. They do need to return to form after this game with Cali Thistle. They play Albion Rovers and uh, I spoke to a couple of the players and I was at the game where they, they took care of Albion Rovers at Borough Briggs by three goals to nil just a, uh, over a month ago. 
and they'll be looking for a similar kind of performance with that. So what they're looking to do is put in an encouraging performance. Thomas McHale looking to shock Cali Thistle this weekend. He thinks they've got it in them. They've um, scored some big cup results in, in recent years and um, they go deep into competitions, especially in the, the Challenge Cup. So um, they've set their sights in causing an upset this weekend against the Cali Jags. And... Um, but uh, whether they do or don't, if it's an encouraging performance, that's exactly what Elgin need to to um, give themselves a lift in League Two. But um, I think one player for me who's going to be a, an important player while Kane Hester is out is Brian Cameron, who Gavin Price, the manager, speaks so highly of as well. I think he's a real attacking threat, probably should score a more goals than he does, but um, he gets himself up to the, the right end of the pitch and, and can be a real menace, so uh, looking forward to seeing him at the weekend as well. To be fair, he's probably going to have to start scoring soon with Jamie Wilson's coming. Um, obviously made his debut in the second half, I think, um, yeah. against against Starwin Albion, but they're going to have to start getting goals. If they're going to start getting the run of wins in the league that they, they really do look like they need at this point, I think they're maybe sitting 7th or 8th at the moment. Yeah, 7th. Um, We've talked about Jamie Wilson coming in, but Ross Draper also yeah. came in uh, towards the end of last week. Uh, I think Thursday night they signed him, or they announced that they'd signed him on loan um, until January from Cove. It is until January, am I right in saying that? Yeah, that's right, until yeah. January. Yeah, he's um, He didn't feature at the weekend. I think he's still carrying a knock, but um, I think uh, all eyes on Ross Draper to see if he's fit this weekend and get in against Cali So what a debut that would be for uh, Ross against his old club that he won the Scottish Cup with as well. He would uh, certainly give them a uh, bite and drive and energy in that midfield. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he would love a debut goal at the weekend if he is involved. I think it raised a few eyebrows when uh, Ross Draper moved moved down to League One with Cove on a three year deal, but he's had his injury problems so far, as you mentioned, Paul, and he um, he's clearly wanting to get some games under his belt um, before who knows what's what's next, whether it's a return to Cove or or elsewhere for for Ross Draper. But yeah, he should he should boss it for Elgin, should he not? Given he was a Premiership player and he he played for played in Ross County's um, survival running at the end he of should. last season. Yeah, he's a big player in more ways than, than one, Ross Draper. You know, he gets uh, stuck in and he's got he's a better player than maybe people give him credit for. He can pick out a pass and dictate games when he's really in the, the mood. And um, I, I think um, it's a, it's another kind of shrewd signing um, by, by Gavin Price as they, they look to um, improve their, their fortunes because it's been a really stop-start um period for, for City and they really need to get going and get points on the board because Gavin Price said last week before the Stirling Albion game they're, they're um, off the pace right now and even had they beaten Stirling Albion they'd be, they, they were not where they needed to be so um, the cup game is a, a nice distraction for them but I think they will also be eager to get back to to the way the uh, winning ways when they play Albion Rovers after that. But Ross Draper could be a big, big signing. And you're quite right, Ryan. Let's see what happens during his time at Elgin. And will he begin back to, to Cove to, to really put a marker down and show Paul Hartley that he's uh, he can be a big player for them over the, the coming years? Okay, well, that's just about us, I think, for this this week's Northern Goal podcast. Um, obviously, Highland League is now the reserve of Highland League Weekly on the Press and Journal website, our weekly web show. But I will mention that congratulations to Turriff United and Wick Academy for getting their first wins of the Highland League campaign. And also congratulations to Rothis for winning the North of Scotland Cup and Banks of D for beating for Martin United in the Evening Express Aberdeenshire Cup final on Friday. Um, but yes, thank you to Paul. Paul and Danny for joining me today. Cheers, guys. 
Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email us any thoughts at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy the football, whether it's Highland League you're attending on Wednesday night, whether you're waiting to until the weekend to go to a game, but enjoy whichever games you're at this weekend. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.